Hello and welcome to the Gelsnet podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans, by fans, and where the content is absolutely free. Tonight, uh, live as usual, but of course it's it's available throughout the week um, to download. And please uh, get on social media and, and, and promote the pod. You can download it from all the usual streams after the show tonight: um, iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and so on. Um, obviously, still in lockdown, although although restrictions are easing. Um, Rangers back in action uh, this week against Hamilton pre-season. Um, we're going to go through that. We've got a lot of things to go through tonight. Uh, I'm your host, David Ryan. Joining me tonight is Colin Armstrong and John Callum as we go through the latest news um, coming from Ibrox. Uh, Colin, how has your weekend been? I saw a picture of you in some questionable shots on uh, Twitter this afternoon. So, um, climbing a hill today. <laughs> Uh, questionable shots. Questionable yeah, shots. You're in your 40s. Uh, oh, shocking. Shocking, Pat. Really. In my 40s and climbing hills that you would... I mean, you were lying in your your, your own vomit this morning, I think. Were you not, dude? <laughs> After yesterday's no, shenanigans. That, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I did have a few, a few sherbets last night, aye? Yeah. Well, me, meanwhile, captains of industry like myself are up climbing hills. Uh, aye, I was up. Uh, Demaya, I think it's called, and Sterling today. Me and my my wife and my daughter were up there, so uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm ruined. I'm totally ruined. It, it, it took a lot out of me. Uh, I came home and had a roast dinner, and I could have just went straight to my bed to be honest with you. But I thought, no, I'll I'll hang about and speak to David and John because that will just make make the the weekend perfect. Yeah, John, how how's your weekend been? I trust that you you're a fashion icon like yourself wouldn't. Wouldn't wear a pair of grey joggy shorts. Uh, well, a, a fashion icon like myself wouldn't wear those shorts and then put it on the internet. Um, that there's probably where I, myself and Colin would would separate. But no, uh, I'm known for um, for wearing shorts uh, in good weather, and I do not let anyone take photographs of me. So no, I've had a lovely weekend actually. Um, the kind of change and uh, how you how many people you can meet and where you can meet them is. Uh, been quite good this weekend. In fact, we had some people over at the house on Friday night, and then we went up to Fife today. Um, went for a walk along the beach in Ely. Uh, it was great. I've got sunburn, um, but I rushed back to Glasgow for this, just so that um, you two wouldn't feel like I was ignoring you or anything like that. And the fact Frankie sent me a text at half past six reminding me I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> I would have made it anyway. So it's, uh, no, it's good to have you back and. Um... We, as I said at the top of the show, I mean, we have, there's been a few bits and bobs happening this week. Um, obviously, something that, that kind of caught, certainly caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting it um, at the start of the week, but, oh, sorry, the middle of the week. But obviously, the, the club's gone through a sort of re, rebranding, um, which included a new badge. One of the most vocal um, critics of the new badge in the Gelsnet WhatsApp group was uh, Colin Armstrong. Um, but I can understand um, a lot of people that the common sort of complaint seems to be it 
it hasn't changed significantly. So what was the point in, in changing it at all? But Colin, what were your thoughts? I, I think we're probably in the badge, first of all, but um, obviously as well as the badge, it was a new website and, and so on. But what, what were your thoughts uh, remember, through the week when, when that was announced? Uh, I, I kind of, a bit like yourself, David, a wee bit surprised. I don't think anyone saw it coming. And I, I've always been the same when they do things like this. I just always think, why? Now, I suppose, I mean, they'll, they'll have people who who know marketing and all that better than I do. And, you know, as you say, it's a bit of a rebrand and uh, I suppose it will serve a purpose. I mean, I've seen comments that it's to do with, uh, you know, online and digital, this, this badge is uh, easier to work with on apps and online and stuff like that. How true that is, I don't know, uh, but... I don't know. I just, I just feel it's a wee chapter of your life closing when something that you've grown up with for the last sort of, you know, thirty years or whatever changes for a reason that you can't see. I mean, it's not that that big a deal, I suppose. Uh, but when I did see it, I just thought, oh, what's the point? And it looked to be a bit squint to me when I first seen it. There seemed to be more space at the top uh, where it says Rangers than it does at the bottom. But uh, I mean, that's just that's probably just me. But uh, I mean, it's not a huge deal. It's not going to affect my life in a, in a, in a big way but I, I just kind of th thought well why but the club will know why you know they're, they're, as I said there'll be reasons for it that, that we're not really uh, given access to uh, and you know within a couple of weeks a few months or whatever it will even be an issue but I mean I, I wasn't keen when they changed the, <coughs> the RFC logo as well with the five stars and all that on it. I liked the sort of RFC crest that I grew up with. It was quite big, covered the chest. Uh, the, the one now, it, it looks like a, when I was growing up in the sort of early 80s, there used to be a a very cheap version of the Rangers top with the sort of flappy collar for the early 80s that, that wasn't the Umbro one. You just you just bought a sort of a version of the top and you ironed on a Rangers patch. And the crest now looks like that. <laughs> In my opinion, it uh, looks like that sort of iron-on badge. I just think it looks cheaper than the, the, the actual one that I grew up with. Uh, but, you know, the club know why they do these things. They, they'll speak to people and marketing and uh, designers, and they'll, they'll know what's the right thing to do. But it feels like a wee bit of the, the team that I grew up with, you know, disappeared on, on the other day there when it, it, it changed. I must admit, I, as I said to you on um, on Wednesday, I, I think it does. It isn't it isn't a massive change, but it's quite subtle. And I think the from a marketing point of view, obviously I don't work in marketing, but I'm in the same sort of sector. Um, but you can certainly see why, you know, with the the more emboldened Rangers on it at the top of the, the badge and stuff. Um, why why they're going with that, John? What what were your thoughts on it? Because obviously. As I said to, to Colin, but it did come with you know quite a lot of improvements to the the website and things like that, and it's all about you know making the club a bit more um, savvy, I suppose, in the market and then how we how we look to the the general public as well as the Rangers fans themselves. The changes to the website are long overdue. Um, I haven't I haven't watched anything on the website, um, but I had a, a kind of poke around during the week when it changed, and. You know, I think it's better. It's it's certainly better on a mobile device, um, and I think it, I think it's I think it's just it's a better website. You know, so they've gone in and they've made those changes, and that was long overdue. Um, and I suspect it's part of a kind of ongoing strategy where um, you know digital and and the club's own digital. I mean, 
you know, it's been interesting. We're going off on a slight tangent, but it's been interesting watching how the club has dealt with the media, the broadcast media in particular, um, over the last, well, the last certainly the last twelve months, maybe even the last six months. Um, and there's clearly a, a the strategy seems to be is taking as much of it in house or working with people like Stevie, who's uh, you know four lads who's on here, working with people like that. You know, more and more of that going on. In which case, the club's own website uh, and and their social media channels, it's essential they have them um, running as smoothly and, and as perfectly as they can be. So uh, the improvements to the website, long overdue. Um, and I think, well, in my opinion, they are improvements. It's a better website. Um, it, it looks to be easier to navigate. It looks to work better. So uh, I'm all for that. In terms of the badge change, um, I mean, I'm, I think I'm older than both of you. Fairly certain I'm older than both of you. Um, and yet, I, it's funny. I was, I'm, I'm fairly certain in that too, John, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, well, I wasn't 100% <laughs> sure what age David was, but I was pretty certain he was younger than you, which means he's definitely younger than me. So, so you know, I am the old curmudgeon here. Uh, here's my thing with the badge. It didn't change enough. If you're going to change it, just change it. You know, just go for it. You're going to upset the Collins of this world if you tinker with it in any way whatsoever. So you might as well just do it completely. You know, that's your chance. Just change it completely. It doesn't matter. You're still going to upset the old gab. There's, there's a great article in the, this month's When Saturday Comes. It's, it's the 400th issue. And they've got, a, you know, I think also because of the, the time of year and the fact there's not a lot of football going on just now, they've got various different writers and, and um, Taylor Parks has written an article in it. Um, and he makes this great point about how there's three stages of football support. And there's when you're young and, and you know, you're, you're living for Saturday, you're looking forward to, to all things. And then there's that period in your kind of 20s to mid 30s where you, you're living the moment. And then after that, it's all about nostalgia. It, you're looking back at players and, and looking back at games and how things have changed. And, and it really struck a chord with me because I, I could relate to it 100%, you know, and, and I'm sorry, it, it's true. I mean, it's, I am somebody who, who lives, particularly the, their football these days has lived um, far too much through nostalgia. So, so seeing the badge, the badge change from a marketing perspective, and, and I actually do work in marketing, um, from a marketing perspective, I understand why they've made the changes they've made. There may even be a, a business need for them to have made those changes. But, you know, that aside, from a marketing perspective, it does work better. It's slightly clearer. Um, having the word Rangers at the top of the badge, you know, these are fairly subtle changes, um, but I understand why they've made them. But in all honesty, I would have probably suggested they go far, far bolder and go for something completely different. Now, they might be planning that for the hundred and 50th anniversary, um, which is coming up fairly soon. So they may be planning something quite bold for then. So maybe this is, you know, a subtle and smaller change just now. Um, you know, I think we've had four badges in our entire history. And, you know, football clubs aren't normal businesses. Um, you know, you work, in the, you work in, the, in the press, David, don't you? So, so you understand, you know, mastheads changing. It's a big deal. People have... Um, People have an emotional attachment to it. They, they get, you know, their anger, their resentment to these things changing is far, far out of kilter with, with the reality of what's happened. And football badges are a bit like that. But I actually would have liked to see them, you know, you know in the end, they need to, the change of a badge will annoy us older guys. It just like changing anything annoys us older guys. So you might as well change it properly. You might as well just do something that's completely different. 
um, and, and, and let the younger guys, the next generation of fans, they will then grow up with that and they'll love that and they will relate to that. So, so that's probably my only criticism is they didn't change it enough. Yeah, I think my take on it, this, this full um, commercial side of things is, you know, in the press side of things as well, and the way we were conducting ourselves for years um, as a club was really frustrating um, for anyone that, you know, was, was looking at communication and, and the things that were coming out in the press and being leaked to the press. I think now starting to starting to get our act together a wee bit and we are making money again from commercial opportunities, which has probably not been done to the best extent over the past few years. And I think I completely get this and, and I'm really relaxed about these sorts of things because I, I do think there's method to, to whatever they're, they're doing. And I think it's all about bringing as much money into the club as possible. And Colin, just on that, you know, We've, we've discussed this guy's role in, in the club um, over the past couple of, couple of months, but I mean, this is another bold move by James Bisgrove, who's obviously the head of commercial at Rangers. And it can only be a good thing that, that we do now have the people in place who, and that, that includes everyone from, from you know him to, to the, the new press guy, who by all accounts seems to be doing a decent job. Um, and even Ross Wilson, you know, and director of football role. Um, but we seem to be starting to get the, sort of best people in these in these roles again which can only be a good thing yeah and I, I, I think he's both made a couple of good points here that, that, that tie in with that I mean first of all I think that the point that John made about the crest is, is true and that's probably how it, it's impacted in me you know it's, it's it's almost like it's invading on your identity when stuff like this change you know what I mean uh, but, you, but you also made a good point David, that you were quite comfortable about it and, you know, we've got, we've got all these new people in, in position. Part of me started to think that there, there was two thoughts that came through my mind. First, there was all these rumours that we had to change it because it was rumoured that Mike Ashley still held the rights to the previous stuff. Uh, but I, I think you would have to take the club's word on this, you know, with the Sports Direct stuff and just say that that's, that's not the case. Uh, part of me is thinking that you know, given everything that's happened to Rangers over the last few years and given the battering that, that we've taken in the press, you know, the whole EBT stuff and uh, everything that came with that, you know, I, I hate referring to Rangers as a brand uh, because to me, they're not a brand. To me, they're, they're a football club and that runs deeper than that. But we're, we're living in times when football clubs are brands and you would have to say that, that, that ours was pretty toxic you know, some of that was our own doing. You know, I don't think the supporters help uh, with our choice of songs at times. That, that doesn't help. That gives people like Graham Spears and a few others a big stick to beat us with. Uh, obviously, there's the DBT stuff. You know, the, the name of the club has been dragged through the mud over the last sort of 10 years. Uh, maybe this is all part of a, 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 you know, a way of sort of cleansing the club, you know, rebranding, new badge to sort of just, freshen things up a wee bit and try and put some of that stuff to bed and try and put a more positive light on the club, you know, and if you've got a new a sort of new badge that's no really new but is new it's, it's just a subtle change, maybe that helps, not so much with, with the locals, with the, the guys that go week in, week out, but in terms of projecting the, the brand further out, you know what I mean, maybe stuff like this just helps cleanse the brand because 
we are toxic and uh, as I said I don't think the club is completely to blame for that we've not helped ourselves at times but plenty up here have, have went out their way to make Rangers toxic and maybe all these wee subtle changes is our way of, of, of trying to change that and trying to change how the club is viewed and how we're presented and trying to put over a more sort of positive image uh, of the club and that you know inverted commas brand I think that's a, that's a good point. Another thing I think as well, um, John, I don't know if you agree with this, but we discuss this all the time, you know, the, how the outside world sees the club. And it is important to an extent, but there's also an argument that in Scotland, you know, it wouldn't matter what we did, we would still have the same people on social media that are trolling our accounts on a daily basis because they've got nothing better to do. So sometimes obviously as Colin says you know we've got to cleanse the cleanse the brand or whatever but a lot of it as well as to to do these things for ourselves as a club and, and move on you know just without worrying about these these outside factors yeah I mean Colin's right in terms of I would agree with certainly with Colin in terms of um you know there are there have been issues recently I, look you're right in Scotland us changing, us getting a new website, changing our badge, bringing out a new strip, signing a deal with Castor, it's not going to make the slightest difference to, you know, supporters of Hibs or Dundee United or Motherwell about how they think of us. Okay, it's not going to make the slightest difference. So, so none of that's for them. This, that, all of this is for us. It's for our support. Um, it, it's done for ourselves. But beyond that, in terms of dealing with the media, in terms of, of you know, dealing with uh, football supporters outside of, of, our, of our natural hinterland. Um, you know, the neutrals, you know, the guys who are from other countries or, or other parts of the United Kingdom or North America or whatever, who would then view Scottish football and, and see clubs there. I think it certainly helps give an impression of modernity. And when you're 148 years old, um, you know, when, when so much of what's important to Rangers in terms of their support is, as Colin says, um, and as he said early on, it's, it's so tied in with, with our history. It's so tied in with the fact that, um, you know, we've, we've, we've been around for so long. I mean, anybody who comes to Glasgow, any friends of mine that come to Glasgow I, I, for the first time, I take them to see Ibrox because the, the main stand at Ibrox is a stunning building, absolutely stunning building. And, and people are, are genuinely, wow, look at that, you know, and, and um, it plays into to who we are. And if you, if, you know, you know, well, the two of you know this, if you go into Ibrox and, and see Ibrox, the, the main stand, if you ever get a chance to go in those main doors and look at it, it's incredible. I mean, it, it's, the place is like a museum. Um, and, and so much of that is tied in with our identity. So it's quite difficult when you're, you know, when you're as old as we are, when tradition and, and how things are done and, and the traditions that we have as a club and as a support, and, and these things are important to us. And I think they are to, to, to almost every football club. So to, to try and also then give the, the, the feeling of modernity, of, of this feeling of moving forward, um, it's a difficult balance. So I, I think they did have to do it. Um, I, you know, I think you're right. I think this is probably being done, A, B, A for ourselves, for our own support, and B, for people you know, you know, outside of, of, of Scotland, outside of where... Um, you know, people you know would would be fussed either way about a Scottish team. Um, you know, the people who are thinking of maybe buying a second strip of another team because you know they quite like the colour blue. 
um, you know, it's that type of thing. Um, and I think it's all being done around that um, as the world becomes a smaller place. And I think that's the right thing. I think that's the right strategy. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, that's the way the world is going. Um, and, and good luck to them. Well, moving on, um, on the pitch, uh, there was a bit of movement this week as well. Uh, Rangers playing their, their first pre-season game, which seems a bit odd. Uh, in the context of the world at the moment, um, it's been a very strange few months. But yeah, so so behind closed doors game with with Hamilton, um, Hamilton scored first, and then Calvin Bassey and Alfredo Morelos uh, both scored either either side of half time in a two one victory. Colin, as I as I touched on there, how strange <laughs> has this past few months been? But it's also Good to have that normality. I mean, that was the first time I think I've read a full uh, match report on a, on, a, on a single game for a long, long time. Um, and it was just good to get that sense of normality back um, through the week there. Uh, I've, I've got to be honest, David, I'm still kind of struggling with it a wee bit. To, to, uh, given everything that's going on, uh, it just still feels all a bit surreal. And it, it, it feels strange to me looking at the... I'm looking at the calendar now, and it's it's the 12th of July, uh, and we're what three weeks away for the season kicking off, and it doesn't feel like that to me. It, it just still all feels a bit strange, and uh, and that full sense of normality still hasn't come back. And 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 uh, uh, even the, the games down in England, we were talking about this before we came on here. I, I genuinely don't think they've helped because the. the they just don't feel the same behind closed doors with no supporters there. Uh, so it was good to see Rangers back in action. Uh, you know, good to see Morelos getting the score sheet and Bassey getting the score sheet. But it it, it felt, it feels to me that when Rangers come back, they come back a bit earlier than this. And you know you've got the European games and the, the the actual domestic stuff is, you know, still maybe four or five weeks away. So all this feels it still feels quite surreal. Uh, I don't feel like a, a football supporter whose team is going to take to the park in anger in three weeks' time. It still feels like we're we're in some sort of lockdown. I don't know how it's going to feel watching uh, Rangers behind closed doors. I'm I'm hoping it'll you know, inject uh, the interest in me, but I, I do find the games, all, the, the only the only sensation, the only thing I get from watching these games now down in England is a desire to go back to, to play fives again. All, all it does is remind me, oh, I'm gagging on a game of football. I don't get anything about watching the game or because we know supporters there, it just seems, I think there's about a 10, 15% drop off in the tempo and, and how players go at it. Uh, so it's good to see Rangers coming back. You know, I, I was on the, the Rangers website a couple of weeks ago, renewing my season tickets and trying to sign up to this MyJers thing, which is still ongoing. Uh, you know, there's wee, there's wee signals, but I think just the, the situation that, that we're still in, the tracks from that, you know, I'm still sitting in my kitchen every day working from home. You know, there's so many things that don't feel normal. I find it hard to, to focus on what's happening with Rangers now because... Even that doesn't feel normal. You know, you're watching <coughs> the players behind closed doors at Murray Park, uh, guys on the bench with face masks and all the rest of it. So it, it just feels odd to me and it's uh, it's surreal and it doesn't feel how it normally feels. I'm struggling to kind of get into the mood. I'm, I'm a must admit. 
Um, and obviously, following on from the from the game for the week, there's an announcement that there'll be a, a pre-season tournament we're taking part in. We'll play Lyon uh, in France on the 16th, uh, Nice in France on the 18th, and then Motherwell on the 22nd, Ibrox and Coventry City on the, the 25th, Ibrox. John, um, <clears throat> that's quite welcoming news to, to know we're going to get four games in before uh, before the start of the season. It's certainly with Abilene coming up um, on the 1st of August. Yeah. I, I, the trip to France caught me unawares. Uh, I hadn't, I just assumed it, it would be games against Yoker Athletic and Benburb that would be organising before um, before the season started. I didn't think there would be I don't think there'd be any chance of, of travel. Um, I, when I first saw it, I thought we were playing Celtic in France. Um, the, when I saw the tournament being kind of advertised, I thought, hang on, have you, have you playing Celtic in a pre-season tournament in France? Do the French know what they're doing? But I see we're not. It's a slightly odd thing. We're, we're both playing, is it Nice and Lyon? Um, we both play them, but we don't play each other, as I understand it. So, um, yeah, uh, that'll be interesting. Um, uh, certainly, football clubs seem to like to, to get the team away, the squad away, uh, away from their homes, away from their, their natural environment in their hotel. And, and I guess they do some sort of, or they feel this brings some sort of team bonding. Um, so, I guess that's why we're doing it. And, you know, Nice and, and Leon will be a decent standard, probably both um, better than, than pretty much every other team in Scotland. So, um, you know, a step up from Hamilton and Motherwell and Coventry City. So um, from that perspective, it, it's probably quite quite welcome. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised. Um, unlike Colin, I'm probably now, I'm looking forward to, to football. I, I don't really care who wins in England. You know, when I can watch, a, I can watch any two teams playing football um, and enjoy it for what it is if I don't have a dog in the fight. And I don't have a dog in the fight in England. I don't really mind who wins um, games in England. Um, my my the teams I like down there change with the managers they've got and the the, the players they've got. So uh, I'm you know I'm fairly dispassionate about watching it. Um, I haven't seen too much. What I have seen has been very odd. Um, you, you, you the one thing, if anyone was in any doubt, and Colin and I have spoken about this before, but if anyone was in any doubt about what, what football actually is, it's 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 for the supporters. You know, but you don't have people at those matches. The matches don't seem to count. Um, so I, I, although I'm, I'm a bit some trepidation um, about the the season in terms of there being no support there and, and just what that will be like. Um, I am looking forward to the season starting. Um, as as we said off air, the English season is more or less finished. You know, there's still a bit bit to play for in terms of relegation and a bit to play for in terms of you know who'll get Europeans places, but. The important thing is sorted. The Leeds won, pretty much won before they came back after the lockdown. Um, it does feel like quite a few clubs there are just going through the motions. Um, you expect that won't be the case in Scotland. It's a new season. It's starting again. Um, you know, clubs won't be going through the motions. Um, it will be interesting to see how playing in front of of no supporters affects teams. I mean, I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be funny, but there are obviously teams in the Scottish league. Play are used to playing in front of pretty small crowds, you know. So does that give them an advantage? You know, will this put will this put clubs like Rangers at a disadvantage who are used to having a big support home and away backing them? 
I don't know. Um, it's been interesting watching uh, English and German as well in the football on TV when the team scores. And, you know, it's like the 1930s. The, the players just kind of shake hands and run back to the to the halfway line, you know. And, and you see, you realise how much the players feed off the energy of the crowd um, when it's normally there. And, and you see that with goals. You see that with near misses. Um, so, so... <laughs> I am looking forward to it. I'm, I'm interested in this pre-season tournament. I don't know what stage the French League will be at by then. I don't know what stage these, these teams will be at, but it will certainly be a chance for Gerard to get the squad away, um, put them through their paces, a couple of games against decent opposition, um, you would suspect, in pretty good weather, um, try and get this, you know, the, the team ethic, try and get them bonded, try and get them ready for, for, for the new season. Um, it doesn't strike me as being a a bad idea. Um, I hope supporters don't follow them. I, I, you know, I, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, you know, the club have, I think, made it fairly clear they don't want them to. Uh, I think both Leon and, and Nice have made it clear that there will be no provision for supporters, um, and certainly not for supporters from Scotland. So I'm hoping supporters don't go over. But you know, I think we all know guys who go to every game. Um, you know, for whom going to see Rangers is 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 a very important part of their life. And, and I suspect there will be some who will be trying to figure out if there's a way of getting there to see these games. So um, perhaps a slight concern over that. But other than that, no, I, you know, I'm looking, I am now ready. I'm now looking forward to the season starting um, and, and hopefully getting uh, my mojo back in terms of, of football. And, you know, I long ago gave up playing five sides. I wasn't very good when I could play and I definitely can't play now. So, Football, watching football is all that's left for me. I think um, I fancy that Colin, for as much as he's saying he won't, he won't be up for it, will definitely have the, the knot in his stomach the day of the Pataudry trip. Um, and I, I think I'll be the same. And as you say, John, I mean, even even given the crazy situation we're in, it, it is different when it is your team that's playing, and especially with what's riding on, you know, this season coming up. Big um, season coming up. That makes it for me when that when that kick off happens at Petodre and at the start of next month. That's you know there can be no thoughts to you know worries over the the behind closed doors thing, um, and I think it's just going to have to be a case of you know getting on with it. And speaking of which, we've obviously made a couple of signings in the close season so far, uh, bringing in. Calvin Bassey and John McLaughlin, Yanis Hadji on a permanent deal. We've also lost a few, um, obviously Nico Katic to injury, um, Matt Polster left, Jake Hastie's gone out on loan. Colin, would you like to see some more business done um, before before even perhaps the, the trip to France? Do you think that's needed? We need maybe a sign in this week or where, where do we need to, to strengthen before the start of the season? Uh, I, I do think we need to strengthen. I don't think there's any doubt about that. We spoke about this last week on the show uh, because just because we came on air, the news came out about Katic. Uh, now, Stevie was on last week and he sort of felt we didn't need to go into the market for, for a centre-half. I'd probably slightly disagree with that. I would have argued that we, before Katic was injured, we maybe needed to go in for another centre-half. I, I, just, I just think Rangers are still lacking a spine. I think we need... Uh, a proper, solid, no messing centre half. Someone in the centre of the park that's the same, you know, that, that, that bosses that part of the area. And uh, 
a 20-25 goals a season striker now. And, and I know folk will say we've got Morelos, but you know we've seen in the past that he's he can be up and he can be down. You know when he's on form, he's he's, he's almost unplayable. And the the, the boys are a joy to watch at time. I mean, just before Christmas, you know he was unstoppable. You know, especially in, in some of these goals in Europe were, were, were phenomenal. But you know he came back and just didn't look the same player after the break. There's a lot of stuff going on off the field, and you know it just strikes me as the type of player that when it's not going for him, he's not someone that that, that sort of plays through it. He, he kind of starts becoming a bit petulant, and I think the Angels need more than that. And I'm, I'm not trying to be hard on Morelos. I'm not trying to be hard on the boy, but I think we need a spine, uh, a, a solid spine that will lead this team through the season. So, yeah, I do think we need to do a bit of business. Uh, whether it will happen this week, I, I don't know. It, it tends to be now. I mean, it used to be, you know, before the transfer windows and all that kind of thing, you know, you just sign players as and when you needed them. Uh, now it seems to be, it's, you know, teams go into the start of the season fairly relaxed and then, you know, a month in when the window closes, they, they run about and do all their business then. So, if there is any movement this week, I don't think it'll be a huge amount, maybe one in or something like that. I don't know. I think you'll you'll start to see the squad take shape the closer we, we get to the, the transfer window because that seems to be uh, the way of it these days. But in terms of do we need to, to bring players in, absolutely. I still think, I mean, I've heard people saying we need a right winger and the fullback positions are, are up for grabs as well because there's talk that Tavernier could be on the, on, on the move and obviously there was interest in uh, Barisic as well so it's it, a lot of the business it will do will probably be dependent on who goes the other way uh, but at the moment as I said I, I think we need a spine I, I just don't think we have that at the moment we need guys that when the chips are down and we're really up against it they will get us over the line and I think that's just what Rangers lack at the moment we're a good team uh, but we look a wee bit fragile at times when uh, the, the pressure comes on us a wee bit and I think that we need to deal with that. Just on that point, Colin, I'll come back to you on this. Um, last season, I felt that in a few of the games, there was one man we could have we could have had in the team that ended up going out on loan who, in my opinion, in many of the games last season when we needed someone to, to close the game off for us um, would have been Ross McCrory. And I'm a massive fan of his and I think in the past, he has shown himself to be a really mature uh, young guy who who is probably the best his best positions in that anchor position in the midfield. Is he someone that would have more of a part to play uh, in the new season? Well, I mean, based on his performances, you would you would argue he's, he's made a case. I mean, I, I'm sure I read a stat a while ago that every game he started against Celtic, you know, Rangers have won, so that shows you the level. Uh, that the boy can play it. I, I, I think he's of an age now where you maybe need to look at he's either coming into the squad or or coming into the side, sorry, or you're, you're looking, I, I don't know if another loan move would suit him or, and what you would you'd get from that. Uh, I think the time has come. I think this, it's the same with Greg Dockery as well. You know, there's boys that have been out on loan a couple of times now. It's just like, well, what are we doing with these guys? Is it, are they... Are they going to get a chance to, to stake a claim in the team or are they going elsewhere I think the Crowley's good enough I must admit and I, I, feel, I think the boy was a wee bit unlucky uh, in terms of uh, getting you know put out in loan and all the rest of it so is, is, is there room for him to come in is there an opportunity I think there is 
Uh, but it's no me that picks the team, you know, and it's, it's up to it's up to Stephen Gerrard. If he doesn't think the boy's good enough, then we'll, I suppose we'll see that, and he'll he'll maybe get moved out and moan again or, or put out permanently. But I'm with you. I think that the boy could do a job, especially in that you know just sitting in front of the back four. Uh, that seems to be his best position. <laughs> so I, I I'm with you. I think he could come in and do a job. What are your thoughts on that, John? Because this, I think McCrony's the kind of guy that. Maybe sports opinion among some of the sport, but there seems to be a general consensus that you know he is good enough for the team. And you uh, have not been a club that, in the past ten years or so, have a great record for bringing young players through. And he's been one that's that's really impressed me on on a consistent basis. Um, where do you stand on on McCrory? There was games last season where we struggled physically. I'm thinking the games against Hearts, games against Hamilton, where I, I thought physically. They were, we were, I would say we were being bullied, but I think there was a physicality to those games that, that we struggled in. And I think there are times you need, Rangers need players like McCrory, uh, players like Doherty. Um, you know, I think there are times when, you, when there's, you need to win the fight before you can win the match. Um, so, uh, you know, I agree with Colin. If, you know, if he isn't going to get in the first team this season, then, then we might as well sell him. Now, I don't know if there would be a, a queue of teams. But, you know, he was playing in, for Portsmouth, I think, League One, I think, last season. Um, so, you know, I think he, he managed to... Uh, I think he was playing fullback. I think I read he was playing fullback for them rather than, than midfield, though. Um, but it, he, he came in as a centre-half, and I, I don't think he's a centre-half. Um, I haven't seen him play at centre-half for a wee while, but, I, you know, I, I don't think he's a centre-half. Um I don't know if I agree with Colin that we need to go and buy another centre half. I think we've got we've got three three pretty good centre halves. Um, our defensive record last season actually was excellent. You know our defensive record was fine last season. We conceded exactly the same amount of goals as Celtic last season, but we didn't score as many. They outscored us quite significantly, and that for me is where we need to strengthen the team. Um, I think Colin's right in terms of of a spine. I, I don't think McCrory's the answer to that problem. I don't think uh, Doherty is the answer to that problem. Um, you know, we need midfielders who will chip in more goals than our midfielders are currently and, and we need we need more options up front because if if Morelos goes off the boil like he did or if he goes away, if he's suspended or he's maybe away in international duty or whatever, um, I'm not sure we can just rely on the four. Um, you know, we, we need another one. There's talk of this guy Dykes from Livingston Um you know, perhaps I guess he would be an option. He's a different type of player. He certainly scored goals at, at, at SPFL level, um, but we need more goals in our team, um, and, and that for me is the challenge this season. That's the that was the difference between Celtic and Rangers last season. They scored how, how more much, goals than us. How much um, pressure then, John, is on you know Ryan Kent and um, and Yanis Hadji next season? How, how, how much considering you know the outlay what? Over ten million combined for two of them. That's a big outlay. Uh, yeah. So much, how much pressure is on them? Big outlay for for two young two young players. Um, you know, neither of them have a have a, have a lot of experience. Um, Kent, I think Kent Kent will become a will become a good player. I actually think he'll have a better season. We can stay clear of injury. I think he'll have a better season. Um, I think he ended up coming to us a little late in the season. He probably missed pre season with us. Um, he showed what he can do in flashes, but he wasn't consistent. Um, he's a big game player, you know, and he, he reminds me a wee bit of, of 
Peter Lovegrants, and I don't mean that in style. I don't mean he reminds me of him in style. I just mean he's one of these players that he seems to like playing against Celtic. He seems to like playing the European matches. But, you know, I'm not sure he's, he's always there in, in some of the, the other games um, when you're up against a, a 10-man defence and, and they're sitting deep and they're cutting the space. And that's when you need a player like Hadji. That's when you need a player like Kent. You know, these, you need these guys to unlock those defences to, to just give you that bit of magic. Um, and, and that we missed that last season. So there's a lot of pressure on them this season. Um, the, the team, the, the management team clearly feel that both of those guys are going to deliver that. Um, Hadji, again, I, I, I still never felt we saw enough of him to make a, a full judgment call. He clearly has ability. You know, that, that memorable game, um, the memorable European game where, where when he came on, he certainly proved to be the catalyst and change. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't see enough of him to know whether he could do that consistently. I didn't see enough of him to know whether he is the guy to come on and, and you know, get you get your points at Inverness when you're, you know, you're struggling to break them down or, or get your points at Hamilton when you're struggling to break them down. Um, but he should be because, you know, two-footed player, very creative player. Um, he's, he is the kind of player that, that we need, but we need goals. Whether they come from midfield, whether they come from forwards, I don't know, but we need more goals. Uh, defensively, I actually think we're, we're more sound than we give ourselves credit for. We have three centre-halves, the young lad Mayo, um, you know, he's coming through. I see him training with the first team. You know, if he's our fourth choice centre-half, I would be quite comfortable going into the season like that. I wouldn't be worried about that, but I'll be nervous if we haven't strengthened elsewhere. Just uh, the, the, the lad Bassey, uh, Calvin Bassey, is that his name? Um, who does he play? I thought he was a fullback, but I see he scored at the weekend, uh, the Hamilton game, and both Barisic and, and Tavernier were playing. So Tavernier yeah. were playing. So where does he play? I think he's a. I think he can play left back or centre back. Yeah. So where were nice. we playing him? Did we play him at centre half? Or we, did we play him at left back and then bring on Barisic? Or does anyone know? I have no idea. Yeah, I was curious when I saw that both Barisic and, and Tav played. And so did Bassey, and I was like, well, I wonder who we played him. What was the formation? What were we trying out there? You could have banged in the spot the other, John. Well, you know, you I, I didn't put that on the agenda. I really should have, boys. Well, lads, I expect you to do your homework before coming on with an old timer like me. Oh, I, I was up a hall with a uh, shocking pair of shorts one the day, so I never had time. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And Dave has yeah. just been released from the drunk tank, so fair enough. <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean that—that's possibly that is possibly um, the thinking behind bringing him in. That someone that can that can play, you know, either position because that's probably something we need. Um, but Colin, I, I'm going to just mention something briefly uh, because I quite like perplexing you with um, coronavirus-related uh, stats and, and things like that. But the the draw was made for the quarterfinals of the the Europa League through the week, which. Again, like the like the new badge caught me completely by surprise. But we'll play Inter or Getafe um, once we've once we've obviously beat Leverkusen away three 0 um, on the fifth of August. That was a strange thing to be involved in. I know. I it's it's, it's bizarre to think that uh, it's it's July and we're still in Europe. You know what I mean? Normally, if we're in Europe in July, it's it's day one. You know what I mean? Uh, I it was a, it was a wee, wee reminder that these things are still bubbling away. I, 
I mean, Leverkusen, I mean, it's unlikely and, you know, you would probably have to suggest that the, 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 the tie's gone. But I think Leverkusen have found things a bit tricky since they've, they've started back in Germany. So you never know. If we get the first goal and, you know, there's no fans, you know, so it's, it's you're as well just going for it. Uh, so uh, you never know. You never know. We might get uh, a wee tie against Santa Milan, but it'll, <laughs> it'll be behind, behind closed doors again. We've played them behind... Uh, closed doors a, a, a number of years back so I it's bizarre it really is and it's uh, as I said earlier on it's it's hard to well I'm finding it hard to to get properly and because there's there's just so many things so many plates in there I mean the Scottish Cup still rumbling on you know what I mean I mean that's the biggest fast ever you know you've got Hearts who are in the middle of a court case who could be relegated and lose other players and they're going to take on, you know, Celtic in a semi-final. Is it, you know, where the sporting integrity is and in that, I don't know. But, aye, it just, it's it's all so much up in the air because of the current situation that, as you say, every now and again, something comes out and you're like, oh, Christ, didn't know that was still going on. You know, the Champions League's still rumbling on. It's just, it is, it's totally bizarre. Uh, and the sooner we're out it, the better. You know, the sooner we're, we're back in grounds and there's a wee bit of normality, uh, the happier I'll be. Well, John, you, you mentioned the nostalgia earlier in reference to the badge, but obviously through the week it was the 25th anniversary of Gaza signing for, for Rangers. Um, probably one of the most, well, arguably the most high-profile signing in the, in the club's history. And in his time, he won two league titles, uh, a Scottish Cup and a League Cup. Play 104 times for the club, spoke 39 goals. What, what are your memories of, of Paul Gascoigne, the Rangers jersey? I lived in Australia when we signed Paul Gascoigne. So um, my memories of, of our signing Paul Gascoigne were, were an English guy that I was sharing a house with, an Autumn Forest fan, um, saying to me that, that uh, he'd been speaking to someone at home and that Rangers had signed Paul Gascoigne. And I didn't like him. I didn't like Paul Gascoigne. This is a terrible thing to admit. Before we signed Paul Gascoigne, I just thought he was a loudmouth English git. He just annoyed me. Bleached blonde hair. He was just a... And I, I didn't like him. Didn't, he came... The only time I'd ever seen him play live was in a, a pre-season friendly when he was playing for Spurs. And he came and, and Ian Ferguson gave him a, a, a really hard time during the match. Gascoigne lost his temper a couple of times. Um, and said some fairly undignified things about Ferguson after the match. I think I'm saying, I said, oh, who is the boy? I made him famous. And uh, you're yeah, like, oh, arrogant tosser. And I really didn't like Paul Gascoigne. So when we signed him, I was uh, I was probably one of the few people in, in, in the Rangers support who was a bit nonplussed about it. But um, it, it, it was interesting. You know, I, I used to get, there was, there was a, when I lived in Australia at that time, there was, a, there was the Daily Record had an international edition. Um, as, as odd as that may sound now, but they had an international edition that came out once a week, um, and it had a, you know basically they, they could have put together all their kind of big stories. But the big thing in it was was Scottish football, was Scottish sport, and, and particularly football. And I remember getting it um, and seeing these photographs, and, and um, you know teenage boys outside Ibrox who dyed their hair, you know peroxide on their hair to look like them, and clearly there was some sort of um, Gaza mania going on in Glasgow and, and that was quite interesting um, and obviously he was as high profile a player certainly he was the most high profile British player at the time 
Um, but arguably, he was probably as, as high profile as, as any player in Europe at that point. Um, we'd signed him from um, CRA, which was the best league in Europe at that time and had been for a decade or more. Um, and, you know, he was another statement of intent from David Murray and, and Walter Smith at that time. Um, he gave us some, some fantastic memories. That, have you ever, have you read is the Hunter Davis biography of Gascoigne? I don't know if either of you have ever have read that. It's worth reading. It's worth actually. <laughs> no, I've not read it, John. It's an, it's an interesting, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an authorised biography. So, you know, there's, but it's still quite interesting. He's fairly honest in it. I mean, um, but one of the things I hadn't realised was, uh, I don't know if you guys knew this, but early on he, he received death threats purportedly, purportedly from the IRA. Now, I suspect they probably weren't from the IRA, but they had code words. Uh, so, you know, they had the correct code words. Um, so, so the police had to take them, um, take them seriously. Um, and Gascoigne had to take them seriously. And Gascoigne was, was rightly very, very alarmed. Now, I don't think that made the media. I don't think, I don't, as I said, I live in Australia. So, so it wasn't, I wasn't seeing the, the media and it wasn't like today where everybody's connected to everything 24 hours a day. Um, maybe you guys will, will remember better. But, you know, he was facing things like that. He was facing, a, you know, there was a real backlash against Gascoigne. I mean, I said, you know, I admitted there, I didn't particularly like Gascoigne before we signed him. Well, you know, lots of people didn't like Gascoigne. You know, he was a very polarising personality. Um, and certainly the fans of other clubs in Scotland didn't like him. And, and, and that was fairly clear fairly early on. Um, he, Gascoigne was charged with rape when he was at Rangers. Um, the charges were dropped. There was no evidence. It turned out to be entirely spurious. Um, but he had to go down to England to, to answer charges. I mean, there was all sorts of things going on with Gascoigne when he was at our club that, that, that I never even knew about. I mean, you heard of some of them, but, but there was stuff going on that you never even knew about. Um, he clearly had demons. You know, that book, I think we already know that. You see that today. Um, he was clearly wrestling with demons. But when he got on that football pitch, what a player he was. Um, I, I remember... The goal, it must, have, it must have been, would it have been at Parkhead when they were rebuilding? Um, or was it at Hamden when they were rebuilding? I can't remember. It was a game against Celtic where he, where he, he, he kind of played, um, he kind of picked the ball up kind of halfway in. A, a break, you know, coming, a breaking out from defence, um, scoring away against them when, when, you know, he just looked magnificent. Um, there's the other one where Celtic, do they hit the post? And then he breaks up the field. Um, yeah, he gets the ball, yeah, John Hughes the field, hit the bar. That's right, hit the bar, and he, he scores the, the diving header to, to win the match for us, or, 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 or seal the match. Uh, and of course, there's the the, the, the it's the final game of the season against Aberdeen, where he scores a hat trick, where he was just you know he was a genius. Um, so my memories of him are, are probably similar to other people's, um, in that when you saw him on a football pitch, he, he was incredible to watch. Um, he was, you know. Uh, just a, a sublime football player. He was clearly a big personality. He seems to have been popular with the players, despite, you know, being a liability at times. Um, I suppose the downside, you know, he didn't, he didn't do any, he didn't help us do anything that we weren't doing before he came. And what I mean by that is, you know, he didn't seem to help us push on in Europe. Um, I suspect that, you know, we were simply, we were simply not playing European teams the way we needed to play them. Walter Smith learned that, and you saw a second time round 
when he came back, he had figured out how he needed to play in Europe and, and managed to get some success from playing it a different way. Uh, but at that time, we tried to go toe-to-toe with guys like Loudrop and, and, and Gascoigne on our team. And, and, you know, frankly, we were tactically naive at times. Um, I remember being very angry at Gascoigne when he got sent off. Was it Dortmund? Um, he got sent off a couple of times. You know, he got sent off in, in Bucharest as well. Was it? I, I remember uh, he got sent off in Dortmund, and I'm, I'm sure he got uh, sent off in Bucharest. I, I remember furious with him getting sent off in that game because, you know, it was a game we could have won. You know, at, at that time... We were we were able to go toe to toe with German clubs, um, um, so you know his legacy. Twenty, I mean, that scares the life out of me. I think it was twenty five years ago, um, but uh, you know, his, his, I was fortunate. I, I returned from Australia um, end of that year, um, so I was I did get to see most of Gascoigne's time in Glasgow. Um, he certainly he certainly lifted the club's profile. Um, and, and he gave us some some fabulous times, um, and, and I'm I'm sorry to see the I'm sorry to see the way he is now. Um, you know, I hope he's managed to get some help, and I hope he's managed to find some some happiness and some contentment in his life because it, it, he certainly looks a troubled individual. But when he was on that football pitch, he he was he was a joy to watch, and and he certainly brought excitement. Um, David Murray was very good at that. David Murray understood the value of that you know big summer signing um you know of the box office that that brought how it shifted how it shifted jerseys how it how it, how it just generated interest um and he was always quite good at doing that um and, and Gascoigne was probably the pinnacle of that for for um for David Murray um Gascoigne was probably the 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 the, the biggest signing that he could have made um during his time I, I would probably say that Morris Johnston was was a bigger signing and a more significant signing in many, many ways. But Gascoigne was probably the bigger name um, and the, the signing that probably made quite a number of people outside of Scotland stand up and take notice and say, well, you know, that's a, that's a club to be to be reckoned with. So, Colin, you're standing outside Ibrox, your, your hair's dyed peroxide blonde. <laughs> oh, is- isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, we've discussed uh, we've discussed nine or years. I mean, obviously before my time, my dad was <clears throat> my dad and I even have, have discussed Gascoigne umpteen times over the years in, in that field team. But for you, I mean, you would have been what in your teenage years when when he signed? Oh, I was ninety five. I was uh, twenty two. So that'd have been like an exciting time, I suppose, in your life, but also. Well, I, actually, I was I was a bit like John. I I didn't like Gascoigne. I mean, I was there at Ibrox the day uh, Ian Ferguson had his rammy with him. But uh, I mean, that was a day everybody came out to see Morris Johnson, you know, playing Spurs in a friendly. And and Ferguson actually handed him his ass in a plate that day. Ferguson totally outplayed him, and it was quite it was quite a niggly game. There was you know there was a few sort of incidents throughout it. It wasn't played. Uh, in the manner of a friendly, and I, I didn't like him from that. His tackles in the FA Cup final, especially the first one, were shocking. Uh, I can remember when he signed for Lazio. I was actually on holiday in Spain with all my mates, and uh, when he arrived in Lazio, he looked, he just looked like a lager lout. And uh, I can remember the front page of one of the papers, The Sun or the Star. It was like he's fat, he's round. Is he worth five million pound? And, you know, and then he, he got another bad injury in Lazio. And he just, I mean, I could never deny the boy's ability, but he just seemed, 
the baggage was too much. So I wasn't overly keen when I heard Rangers were interested. I wasn't overly keen. But you have to agree with John. You know, once he came, uh, it, 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 it just lifted it to another level. Uh, I, I always preferred Loudrop. I must admit, I was more of a Loudrop man. But uh, I, I was there. I was at Celtic Park the day. I wasn't going to, to see Rangers a huge amount at that time because of my work. I was working a lot of Saturdays at the time. But I managed to get a ticket for the... Coca-Cola Cup final against Hearts, uh, and we, were, we beat them 4-3. Neil McCann gave Craig Moore an absolute doing that day, uh, and McCoyst and, and Gascoigne had a fight just before half-time. Rangers were 2 on up, and Hearts brought it back to two each, and McCoyst and Gascoigne had this fight uh, on the part. The two of them were sort of manhandling one another, and in the second half, Gascoigne came out and just dominated the game and scored two absolute corkers you know what I mean so in terms of being at a game that's probably my best memory of them uh, but you know obviously as John said he scored that hat-trick against Aberdeen that won his eight in a row you know he scored goals against Celtic I think he's right he didn't quite do it in Europe it was Amsterdam another game he got sent off and he got sent off against Ajax you know he never he never kicked us on in that level but you know John's saying there that he was the best signing or the, the biggest name signing of the club I would say he's the biggest name signing in Scottish football you know what I mean? You could argue that Gascoigne's career, if, if it had gone to plan, if he hadn't had these stupid injuries, if you know, if he wasn't getting involved in the stuff he was getting involved with off the park, then you, you could make a strong argument to say that he would, he would never have come near Rangers. You know what I mean? I think when he was coming back for Lazio, you know, I don't think your Man United's or that were interested in him because I just, I just think they felt you know, there was too much baggage there. So we we reaped the benefit of that, you know, on the park. But obviously off it, you know, it, it, it came with a bit of baggage. And I, I agree with John. When you see him now, you can maybe understand why he's behaving like that because he's he's obviously a guy that's got a lot of mental problems. And uh, it's sad to see. It's sad to see somebody that had so much ability and, 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 and you know, it was obviously that football, that, that was his escapism. That's where he... All his demons went away, and without it, he just looks a, a, a shell of a man, and it's 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 really sad to see. Just yeah. what you're saying there about sorry, David, cutting across you. Just what you're saying there about Man United, um, you know, possibly not wanting him. Alex Ferguson is on record as saying his 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 one one of his biggest regrets is that he never got to manage Gascoigne. Apparently, he tried to sign him three times. Yeah, um, but that was was that not before he went to Italy though? No, I, think I, think the t- I think he tried to sign him. He tried to sign him from Lazio as well. Um, he thought that you know he he thought he was the guy to sort Gascoigne. To sort him out, yeah. He, he, that his style of management, um, and his ability to get inside people's heads and, and the siege mentality he always made would would be the making of Gascoigne. That he could turn Gascoigne into into you know the the player that everybody knew he could be. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think Man United made a made a significant overture to Gascoigne. We could compete with Man United at that time. That's the crazy thing, you know. We we know, could compete I, with just I, about anybody. At that time. I know. It's, it's it's when I tell my boy these stories, you know, because we were we were the biggest club in Britain at one point. You know, Absolutely. what I mean, it, it just looks at me as if I'm on the glue, <laughs> <laughs> and and then it's then you realise. I mean, I know you can say that Rangers have fallen quite a, a far height, but I mean, the game has changed so much. You know that. I mean, even if you take the the events of 2012 with the picture, Rangers would. You know, they were still tumbling down uh, that sort of status thing, you know, because 
it's all about your Barcelonas and your Real Madrids and all that kind of thing now. So, aye, but I mean, where we were at that point, you know, it was uh, when you look back, it was frightening. Well, my, obviously, Gascoigne was before my time. My only Gascoigne-related story, um, I worked at the Kamalik Standard. I brought in some some columns, um, one of which was a sort of fans column. The other one was uh, the manager, actually, at the time, Alan Johnston. Um, but the third was a referee column. And it just so happened that local referee in charge of the sort of refereeing schools was Dougie Smith, who Gascoigne booked. Um, on the pitch, it was it was him that did that. So obviously, when I when I had the meeting with Dougie, um, one of the first things I asked him, you know, did you regret that? Because obviously he came across a little a bit of a tosser. Um, but you will not be surprised to know it was a resounding no. He did not regret it because it was it was a respect thing. So that was quite interesting. <laughs> but no, he didn't. He didn't regret that one bit. That was quite interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, some great memories, and I think I think for every Rangers fan, whatever age, um, you know, I'd, I was only I'd only been two when he signed. Um, Aye, okay. Two, <laughs> two, two. I know. Jesus, what have I even doing in this podcast? <laughs> two. Uh, can I just can I just say I've got I've got a a, a kind of strange Gaza related story. Uh, I, I used to work for Alex Smith. Uh, used to be the Aberdeen manager and Dungeon United manager and he, he was manager at, at Clyde at the time that uh, Gascoigne signing Clyde arranged a, a behind closed door game so Alec arranged for my mate and me to go through so we went in Gascoigne was playing so we're sitting there I was sitting next to Steve Archibald hate to be a name dropper but he was sitting right next to me and uh the, the main memory I have of the game is I ran over a rabbit when I was driving it to Cumberland to watch the game. And uh, I, I was on this wee back road and I hit this rabbit. And my mate's like, what happened there? I says, I think I fit, I fit something. And I looked through and, and the, the rabbit was still up in the boot. I thought, all right, I've just obviously been right over the top. It's fine. So I went out to see if it was okay and I, I'd flattened its hind legs. So it was sort of dragging itself across the road, right? And I was like, oh no, I didn't. So I was trying to pick it up. I was going to take it to a vet. And this work, he got out of a van. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm going to save this rabbit. He's like, just ring its neck. And I just sort of looked up as if, ring its neck? Oh, I can't do that. And he's like, away you go. <laughs> and he's just like, tossed it over a fence, nag it back in the car, like, oh man, I've just run out of a rabbit. <laughs> and that's that's my, that's the, the, I don't remember Gascoigne's performance that night. All I remember is I, I, I killed a poor bunny. <laughs> well, that's us. We can add the SSPCA and PETA to the list of organisations that hate Rangers supporters, isn't it? <laughs> a new badge is out next week. <laughs> um, just one final thing before we leave you. Um, obviously, some sad, well, sad news for, for another former Rangers player, Scott Nisbet, um, who is, is battling cancer at the moment and has is, is been fundraised for a um, to help him through a life-changing operation on his kidneys. Um, there's a Just Giving page has been set, set up by a former Players uh, Association. Um, so it's on Just Giving campaign section. And uh, if you just search Scott Nisbet on there, if you'd like to donate. But I think it's safe to say the, the thoughts of everyone at, at Jersey with Scott and his family at the moment um, as he battles through that. Um, and hopefully hopefully all goes well and it, the operation's a success. Um, but yeah, I think that that's all we have time for tonight. Uh, run over a wee bit actually with so much to discuss. But um, 
Thanks to Colin and, and John for, for joining me. Um, it's been another, another good night. Um, so thank you for listening and please share on social media to get the word out about what we're doing here. Um, thanks and good night.